This is Isabel and Sandemus Conversations with Neighbors. This is a podcast to spark conversations among neighbors about happenings in and around Sandemus. I am Isabel in Sandemus, and I'm happy to be one of your neighbors. All right, in this episode, I am going to be doing all the talking. I don't have a guest to interview, so I apologize in advance. (laughs) I'll be talking today about the urban forest. I did not know what the urban forest was until earlier this year when I attended a city council study session back in January. And since then, I've actually learned quite a bit about it. So I'm really excited to do this episode to tell you everything that I've learned and hopefully get you excited about trees in our community. Like I said, I attended a study session back in January where the Parks and Recreation Director for the city, Hector Kistman, provided a presentation about the topic, and that initially piqued my interest. Later on in the year, I was paying attention to the city council budget meeting. Uh, Due to the pandemic, there have been a lot of budgetary concerns and budget cuts that had to be proposed. And Mr. Kisterman, uh, again, made requests to the city regarding funding planting trees in our community. Uh, There was a bit of a debate, but In watching that meeting, I felt compelled to reach out to the city council. I sent all the members an email just explaining why I believed that investing in trees was important. I personally have done some research and know that there are many, many benefits to trees, including, uh, you know, the health benefits, obviously, uh, people and communities that spend more time outside and have more trees and greenery uh, tend to have higher levels of well-being. And on an economic standpoint, uh, property values increase with trees. So those were some of the reasons that I thought that uh, planting trees and putting money towards the budget towards trees was an important investment. And I notified the council of my thoughts on that. Shortly after that, Mr. Kisteman asked me if I wanted to join an ad hoc urban forest subcommittee that was part of the Parks and Rec uh, department. And I was super interested and I joined and I've been active in that subcommittee ever since. As I said in the beginning, this whole episode is to provide you some education on what I've learned about the urban forest and particularly how it relates to San Dimas. And all the information that I'm going to share with you today is compiled from the city's website, as well as my personal conversations with Mr. Kistman and other members of the urban forest subcommittee. The first thing I'd like to address is what is the urban forest? Basically, the urban forest is made up of all the trees that comprise our community forest. So all the public trees that you find in San Dimas, whether they are uh, lining the sidewalks, the medians, if they're on public park land, the trees that are on city land along the railroad tracks, all of these trees make up the urban forest. They are public community trees. To be honest, as people who just live in neighborhoods and go about our day-to-day life, I think we can often take trees for granted. Sometimes they can be seen as a nuisance, whether it's leaves or branches falling. For homeowners, it might be tedious to have to water the trees that are 
around our home. Uh, but I really want to drive home the idea that uh, there are a lot of benefits to having trees in our neighborhoods, as I mentioned before. And my husband, Phil, and I put together a short two-minute video about the benefits of trees. I will link to that on my website at isabelandsandemus.com slash urbanforest. You can check it out. But in this episode, I'm going to go in a little bit more depth. Trees are good for our neighborhoods for a number of reasons. First, I think a very obvious reason is that trees just are beautiful. They are just beautiful, majestic pieces of nature. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can walk by a tree and just be in awe of how long it's been there, how epic and majestic it is. You know, I think about some of the trees over by the Walker house that they've been here since, you know, San Dimas was first founded and just how amazing it is that, you know, 50, 75, 100 years later, these trees are still standing. Can you imagine the stories that they have to tell? Also, according to research, large street trees are the single most important indicator for attractiveness of a neighborhood. Trees provide privacy. So if you have trees around your home, obviously they provide some coverage. They can reduce noise. Uh, they can even slow traffic on our streets. And that's really great for uh, you know, suburban neighborhoods, residential neighborhoods, especially where there are a lot of children or cyclists, pedestrians. Uh, and they can provide a canopy and habitat for wildlife, critters, squirrels, birds uh, that are uh, part of our ecosystem. Another amazing fact that has been shown in multiple studies is that trees can actually help reduce crime. Trees just stand there. They don't really do a whole lot. But the idea is that with trees being outside and beautifying our neighborhoods, they encourage people in the communities to be out and about, to be walking along the streets. And that inadvertently leads to neighbors talking to one another, getting to know each other, more eyes on the street, and therefore uh, deterring crime. Also, when trees and just the neighborhood in general appear to be well-kept and well-maintained, that can also deter crime as well. A couple more obvious benefits of trees, which I touched on earlier, is that they can improve health. Studies have shown that communities with more trees can help lead to a decrease in blood pressure and muscle tension. They can decrease asthma for children. And there are just positive effects overall regarding behavior and obesity. Trees obviously clean the air and water. They absorb odors and filter pollution by trapping particles in their leaves and bark. And obviously, they reduce carbon and renew our air supply. Now, two other benefits that I wanted to touch on that I think are super interesting are that, one, trees have been shown to help kids do better in school. So kids who can see trees from their classrooms uh, end up being able to pay attention better and recover from stressful classroom events better. I mean, that's amazing. Why not plant more trees outside of schools? Seems like a no-brainer. And lastly, there is an actual economic benefit to trees. Planting trees can lead to money savings and earnings, and they can create jobs. So for strategically placed trees 
around your home and property, uh, trees can help save 20 to 50% on gas and electric bills. The cooling effects of a young, healthy tree can be as much as that of 10 room size air conditioners operating for 20 hours a day. So let me say that again. If you have a young, healthy tree placed you know, next to your home in such a way that it's uh, shading your home and, and providing some cooling effect, that is the equivalent of running 10 small air conditioners for 20 hours a day. And you don't have to pay a dime for the electricity of the tree. Sure, you have to pay a little bit of water uh, costs for the first five years of planting the tree, but after that, trees are pretty well-maintained. So I just thought that was pretty awesome. Trees that are planted as windbreaks can also reduce heating costs by 10 to 25%. So trees that are planted near exterior walls can help insulate your home from the cold. And lastly, landscaping and trees on your property can increase your property value by up to 20%. And of course, having trees can create jobs, whether those are landscape, design, or arborist jobs. So just my 50 cents on why trees are so great. Now let's bring this back to San Dimas and the urban forest. As I mentioned earlier, I recently joined the urban forest subcommittee and the subcommittee came out of the city's need to one, review the existing valuation protocol. So basically what that means is that public trees have a certain value. And when they're removed, uh, the person removing the tree should really be reimbursing the city for the value of that tree. Other reasons that the subcommittee was formed was because revisions needed to be made to the city's municipal code regarding public trees. And the city wanted the Parks and Rec Commission to have oversight and have the authority to approve or deny tree removal requests. The subcommittee is also working on updating the community forest management plan. So this is the plan for all the public trees in the city. We are working on developing a heritage tree program, which recognizes special trees in the community, both on public and private property, and establishing programs for the community to get involved with trees in the city. So whether that's sponsoring or donating money uh, to go towards trees, uh, those are some of the things that we're working on. Lastly, a big important part of the subcommittee's job is to educate the community about the importance of trees. And that's why I'm doing this episode today to encourage you, my listeners, to learn more about the trees that make up San Dimas's urban forest. San Dimas's urban forest has over 8,000 trees. And those trees have accumulated value of over $30 million. That's right. 8,000 trees in the city of San Dimas are worth $30 million. Take that in. And the top 10 species of trees are crepe myrtle trees, which are the trees that you see uh, in the new downtown since it's been renovated, are about a little less than 10% of the trees in San Dimas' urban forest. Uh, around 7% are London plane trees, and around 5% of the trees are carrotwood, coast live oak, California sycamore, American sweetgum, Chinese pistache, and the Canary Island pine. And around 3% or less are jacaranda and eastern redbud. 
The remaining 55% of trees in the urban forest are a wide variety of other species. Now, sadly, despite all of the benefits of trees and despite their financial worth, honestly, San Dimas has been losing more trees than we've been gaining in the past few years. Obviously, trees are living things, so sometimes they are diseased, sometimes they die, sometimes they're just cut down for various projects. But in the past four years, we had an average of 75 trees removed and 45 trees planted annually. So that's a net loss of 30 trees per year. Now in San Dimas, I said there are about 8,000 trees in the urban forest, but there are about 1,200 vacancies. So what that means is that there are spots that the city has identified where there either used to be a tree, maybe that tree died or was taken out for some reason, or there could be a tree. So it's an open space on public land that could house a tree. You may have noticed that in July of this year, the city actually ramped up their tree planting efforts. And this is kind of part of a future goal of restoring, revitalizing the urban forest. So in June, the city planted 169 trees, which is amazing because in the past four years, it's been 45 annually. So this year alone, we planted 169 trees. They were primarily in the Old Town neighborhoods between Bonita and Gladstone, and then Eucla and Sandy Miss Canyon. I do believe the city will be expanding their reach, but that was the region that was focused on this time around. And the reason it's so important to make sure we're investing in the urban forest now is because in the long run, it will actually cost us more to correct this issue and, and kind of catch up for lost time than investing in the forest now. As Mr. Kistman said, the urban forest is not a luxury item, but it actually is quite important for our community now. One thing I want to address is the downtown redesign because a lot of folks in the community have mentioned that they're really sad when they saw that the boardwalks were taken out and the trees were replaced in downtown. And it is sad. There were a lot of mature and beautiful trees over there. Um, but I do want to let folks know that in my conversations with city staff and city officials, the trees that lined the downtown walkway were actually liquid amber trees and they have very invasive roots. They were creating uh, unsafe conditions for pedestrian traffic on the boardwalk. And so for those reasons, along with ADA compliance, that's why the city had to uh, remove the boardwalks and the trees and, um, you know, replace it with the current downtown. I know a lot of people aren't happy about that, but that's just the explanation that I've been given time and again from the city. So I just wanted to put that out there. Now, something that comes up a lot that I've heard on social media and in conversations with neighbors is the idea that oak trees are protected species. Now, I'm sad to say that I could not verify this information because uh, I believe that there were laws previously that did protect oak trees, but currently I could not find anything that definitively talked about the protected status of oak trees, whether that's on the state, county, or city level. So if anyone does have that information, please 
send that my way. I would gladly look at it. But right now, I couldn't find anything that verified the protected status of oak trees. So the jury's still out on that one. So now that I've told you a little bit about the trees that make up San Dimas's urban forest, I want to talk a little bit about how to take care of your trees. Uh, as a resident of the city, this is a question that I've had for the city arborist and the parks and recreation director, and I wanted to just share some of the things that I've learned. You may be surprised to learn that trees don't actually require a lot of water, especially when they're established. So that means if they're five years or older, they don't need that much water. In the beginning, the first five years, they do need a little bit more attention. But once they're established, uh, trees can pretty much sustain themselves if they're getting you know regular water from nature. But we do have to pay attention to drought, especially um, in such a hot uh, desert region. So when watering trees, the most important thing is to provide a slow trickle. Um, the reason you want to do that is because you want to encourage the roots of the tree to go down and deeper rather than to remain shallow closer to the surface. This is called deep watering. And one of the ways that you can do that is by creating a raised mound around your tree um, that kind of I guess, forms a natural little bucket uh, and make sure to fill that up uh, a few times and let the water slowly trickle into the soil. Another option that you can use is to use a soaker hose or a water bag, which you can get from your local hardware store. And you'll want to water young trees weekly in the summer and about twice a month in the winter uh, in around 10 to 20 gallons per watering. For those older established trees that don't need as much water, you will want to try to pay attention to the signs of drought that indicate that water might be needed. And the really amazing thing is that plants kind of tell us when they need attention. So the signs of drought might be dry or wilting leaves, the leaves not being as green as they usually are, maybe smaller leaves rather than the larger leaves that your tree is usually producing, or a thinning out canopy. And ways that you can prepare your trees for drought are by removing turf, lawn, grass, or concrete, anything like that from underneath the tree's drip line or canopy. You'll also want to decompact the soil underneath the drip line with a garden fork. So that basically uh, helps create holes and circulation in the soil, uh, which uh, is going to help with its drought readiness. And lastly, uh, you can use up to four inches of organic mulch underneath your tree, and that is available for free through the Parks and Recreation Department. And one last recommendation for caring for your trees is that you want to make sure to prune your tree properly. You don't want to ever prune more than 15% of the tree, and you don't want to top the tree, which is kind of like giving it just a, a buzz cut off the top. You want to be very careful about that. And if you don't know how to prune the tree, I'm sure you could look it up online. Um, and also the city has a city arborist who is available for residents' questions, concerns, and uh, he's been a great resource to me and my family. I know this has been a lot of information, and so I'm going to share some links on my website at isabelinsandemus.com slash urbanforest. Check it out if you want to learn more about how to take care of your trees. 
I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's episode all about the public trees here in San Dimas. You might be wondering now that you're so excited about trees, what you as a member of the community can do. How can you get involved? I have a couple suggestions. One, it could be as simple as planting a tree at your home. Go down to your local hardware store, pick up a tree, uh, plant it somewhere on your property. Another thing you can do is take care of the trees that are already on your property. I talked about a few tips today, and the city has many, many more resources that I'm going to share. Another way to participate is to look out for heritage trees in the community. So as I mentioned before, the Heritage Tree Program is a way to educate members of the community about really special, significant trees that exist on public and private property in San Dimas. That program will be rolling out soon. So just start to notice, pay attention to different trees in the area. And if you think you notice a certain species or a historical tree that might be worth recognizing as a heritage tree, uh, the Parks and Recreation Department will have uh, that application paperwork available soon. Another thing you might consider doing soon is find an environmental organization locally that uh, will take donations to plant trees. And lastly, this has already passed for the year, but participate in the city's Arbor Day and Earth Day programming. They typically have events planned uh, in the spring for Arbor Day and Earth Day, and I will uh, keep you updated on that as they come around. And one fun tree fact, in case you've ever noticed the large camphor tree on Bonita Avenue, west of downtown, it is sometimes known as the mayor's tree. And why? That's because former mayor Kurt Morris was a big fan of that tree. Just a little fun tree fact. So questions. Do you like trees? What kind of trees do you have at your house or around your home? Uh, let's keep the conversation going at isabelinsandimas.com slash urbanforest. I have several updates and upcoming events that I want to make you aware of. The first is that we are coming to the end of the 2020 census. And anyone who's listening, if you haven't done so already, I really want to encourage you to visit 2020census.gov to fill out your census. Right now, Sandy Miss has a 73.1 response rate. In 2010, we had a 76.2 response rate. So we're about three percentage points off from the last census. And it's really important that we uh, get all of our people in San Dimas counted because the census will lead to more resources uh, for our city, whether that's helping with school lunches or uh, allocating funds from you know larger government entities. So please, 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 if you haven't done so already, please visit 2020 census gov to fill out your census today. Also, I want to talk about a few items coming up on the city council agenda for Tuesday, September 22nd. At 5.30, there is a joint study session with the Planning Commission and City Council, and they will be talking about possibly changing some zoning in Via Verde to allow for more grading. So what that means is that 
uh, there are certain properties, hillside properties in Via Verde, where uh, people are only allowed to grade or flatten a certain amount of their property for development. And the purpose of this was established back in the 1980s to protect the hillsides, both environmentally and aesthetically. And the city council and planning commission are revisiting this at Tuesday's meeting to see if they want to increase either a percentage or a certain X amount of cubic feet that people can grade on their properties in a certain part of Via Verde. So if you live in Via Verde or if you care about this, I encourage you to pay attention to that meeting at 5.30 on Tuesday, September 22nd. I will include links on my website. And another thing I wanted to mention at the regular city council meeting at 7 p.m., there is an issue that the city will be discussing about preferential permit parking program. That's a mouthful. I'll say that again. Preferential permit parking program. And that has basically come up because several residents uh, and in different neighborhoods throughout the city have um, noticed some difficulties with parking in their neighborhoods, whether they're next to a school or a trailhead. Uh, sometimes the residential neighbors end up being impacted by street parking on their streets. And so the city staff has uh, put forth a report asking the council to possibly consider adding permitted parking in certain parts of the city. Also, in light of the gold line coming in in a few years, recognizing that this is something that might have to change when the gold line comes in as well. So if you're interested in the issue of parking and specifically permitted parking in San Dimas, uh, check that out on Tuesday, September 22nd at 7 p.m. Links will be on my website. Lastly, I want to talk to you about a couple opportunities through the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence. Uh, this is a nonprofit organization that serves the San Gabriel and Pomona Valleys, and they have a special program that is based out of San Dimas specifically. Um, I met with a couple folks over there at NCAD, and they have a coalition based in San Dimas that is trying to promote a smoke-free San Dimas. So if you have an interest in public health, social change, if you live in an area where, you know, maybe your neighbors are smoking and, uh, you know, the secondhand smoke is drifting into your apartment, you might be interested in participating. They're uh, trying to recruit members for a coalition to serve the San Dimas area. Um, also, there are opportunities for youth. So obviously, smoking and vaping is a big uh, public health issue for young people these days. And they have a community health group for uh, youth as well as volunteer opportunities. So if you're interested in any of that, I will also post more information about this opportunity through the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence. I think it's a great cause. And uh, I might even have uh, the folks from that organization come and speak with me a little bit on my podcast at a future episode. So uh, that's it for me on updates and upcoming events. My little tidbit that I want to share with you today in light of our conversation about trees is that when I moved to San Dimas about four years ago now, uh, my parents-in-law so graciously gifted us with a dwarf Meyer lemon tree that lives in our front yard. Um, it was a housewarming present and, uh, you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And maybe one of these days we'll have to have a lemonade stand with the kids.
Thanks for listening today. I am Isabel and San Dimas. And before I go, I want to encourage you to actually sign up for my email list. You can do that at isabelinsandemas.com. By doing this, you'll have access to my actual blog posts. So you won't have to go to my website every time you want to look something up. You'll just get emails uh, whenever I have a new episode and it'll have the links to my resources. Sometimes I share reflections that I don't do a podcast episode about um, and other general resources like an election resource, which I will be creating for the upcoming November election this year to cover the local topics that are going to be on the ballot. So uh, subscribe to my email list at isabelinsandemus.com. And as always, uh, feel free to reach out, send me a message. I love hearing from you and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.